I always think if it's not helping somebody else, then what's the point, you know? And for me, it's like, think about what you're doing and think about how I could help somebody else. I think that that will help you find your purpose and your passion. And if there's a way that your talents can contribute to that larger why, that larger mission of yours, then you're finding the sweet spot. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the Active Ingredient Podcast. I'm your host, Sophie Wheel, and I am a deeply curious person who is constantly on a mission to uncover the light that exists within all of us. On this podcast, I talk to people from all walks of life who have uncovered their light and actively cultivate it in their everyday, whether it be through career, relationships, spirituality, or a combination of the three. My hope is that these conversations help us start uncovering our own light that already exists within us which is what I like to call our active ingredient so that we can tap into it, bring it to the forefront and live the lives that we were intended to. All right. Well, what a week we had. I really don't even know how to begin this podcast (laughs) touching on what happened last week. I mean, I'm really at a loss for words still. And it definitely feels weird doing an intro for a podcast that's all about positivity and trying to find the light within all of us when we experience so much darkness. But I continue to believe and and know that what we saw is not representative of everyone. There are good people and you have the opportunity to show up in every room that you're in and be the light and find that light that already exists within you and do what you can to cultivate it, to listen to your inner self. And that is the reason why I decided to continue to do the podcast this week, even though, you know, I really honestly did not feel like it. But if anyone that's listening takes that from this episode, then I think it was 100% worth it. And I'm personally trying really hard to be discerning on when it is that I'm looking at social media. I mean, those first few days, I literally couldn't put my phone down and it just is not serving me. We are almost there. I think we just need to buckle up for the next week and a half or so. And we're, we're really almost there. And I just am so hopeful for what the rest of the year has in store. I am not losing the faith. And I am actually really excited about this episode with Christina Rodolfo, who is the beauty editor at Women's Health, where she oversees beauty coverage across print and digital and is an expert in product testing, identifying trends, and exploring the intersections of beauty, wellness, and culture. Prior to Women's Health, she held roles at L.com, Pop Sugar, and InStyle. I really love this episode and I'm not going to lie, my Amazon list and my Sephora list have definitely grown because of this conversation. So brace yourself to literally want to try everything in beauty under the sun. Um, But with that, let's get into this week's episode with Christina Rodolfo and remember to take care of yourself and the ones around you. All right. Enjoy.
Um, I actually kick off the podcast always asking a um, same question, which is what were you like as a kid that you remember? And is there anything from those qualities that you or like the people that were in your life when you were young, your parents or um, family members that you think are translated in what you're doing today? Because I do feel like you're someone that works and lives in your active ingredient. So I'm just (laughs) curious to know, is there anything that's the same? Uh, I've always been very type A teacher's pet kind of student. You know, when I was young, I, I, I people tell me that I was always a very serious child. Like I was very uh, just ambitious and focused and always wanting to be an overachiever. I don't know how that was, you know, from the very young age. I think it was just instilled in me from my parents and from my older brothers because they were also like, you know, top students and very smart. And uh, I just wanted to emulate my older brothers. I wanted to be like them. And um, one of them is uh, six years older than me. And then the other one is eight years older than me. Oh my gosh. I don't even know. Yes. Eight years (laughs) older than me. That's significant. No, wait, is he? Sorry. I can't do math right now. (laughs) There's a reason we're like in media and PR. We don't do math. So <laughs> I was like, wait, is he eight years older than me? I think so. Yes. I think it's eight years and six years. So, so it's, it's really funny because, um, I just watched them like really excel in all the things that they were interested in. And I was like, I want to be like that. And, um, I feel like I've always been competitive and, you know, wanting to enter the science fair, wanting to, you know, win first place at the poetry contest in school and write for the school paper and, you know, join the track team and, and be part yeah, of the musical. The I, I have been doing the most since day one. And I, you know, I used to shy away from that and be like, you know, a, a little bit of me felt almost embarrassed at how outwardly ambitious I was because I feel like, especially women, you're made to want to shrink yourself and you're made to believe that you don't deserve the things that you want. So I think that I internalized a lot of that before and I was like, oh, I have to be like really humble. I have to, you know, make other people comfortable because I don't want to be like trying so hard or like doing too much. And I think that I, as I've gotten older, I've gotten way over that. Uh, but it's this, this attitude of mine, this like hustle, hustle and attitude of mine has been there since, since day one, since I was I love a kid. That. Yeah. I feel like I totally <laughs> see it, but I'm curious to know, cause I feel like that realization or like even coming to terms with the fact that you had internalized that for so many years, like, I feel like obviously it comes with age, but like, were you doing anything like any like self growth work or, or anything like that, that helped kind of like bring that to a head and then come to terms with it, see it head on and then move through doing the things that you want to do without feeling like a smidgerine of remorse or like feeling weird about it. I still get nervous here and there, of course. Really? When, when, yes, I do. I always do. When I, whether I'm pitching a new idea for a story, or even if I'm about to post something on Instagram that I feel like is particularly vulnerable, we all get nervous about, you know, being judged or what will people think. And I think it's only recently, I would say, in the past two years, that I've gotten a lot more comfortable with just claiming who I am and being proud of it and just putting it out there in the world. I would say what really helped me was, well recently therapy. I think therapy is a huge, a huge thing that I'm grateful for because I had never had never done it until this year. And this year obviously has thrown everybody a curveball. And as somebody who is a planner of her life and likes to know what I'm doing five years from now or two years from now and just have always followed a sort of vision for myself to be thrown into this year and have 
everything that I planned or wanted to do just kind of thrown out the window has has made me realize that I I actually didn't spend enough time connecting with myself. I was so distracted by a booked calendar, by a like a long to-do list that I didn't give myself the space that I needed to really connect with myself and really, you know, think about what is it that you want? Who is it? Who are you? You know, what are what are your values? What do you care about in this world? And I think that because I have the privilege of being able to work from home, not worry about a commute, been able to, you know, meet people virtually. It's given me more time to connect by doing therapy, by journaling daily, by prioritizing my health and fitness, working out every day, you know, going for walks every day, thinking a lot. I feel like we just have so much time to think oh now. God, the thoughts don't <laughs> so, stop. So they don't stop. And and I feel and I realize that I really need to put that energy somewhere. You know, it can't just like sit inside. It has to go on the page or it has to yeah. get out in therapy. So th- so those things have definitely helped me and helped me grow in my confidence and also just how I feel and, and operate in the world. How do you think that's going to translate in like a post-COVID world? Because I feel like pre-COVID, I mean, the hustle porn and just like the, yeah. the culture, I mean, I identify with you a ton. Like it was like my to-do list events here. Like it was just like distraction, distraction. And like, I've really done a lot of work during the pandemic to like mm-hmm. not listen to the podcast while I shower and just like be okay to yes. shower without listening to something. Yes. <laughs> like, how is this going to translate into a world where we are interacting with each other? Our calendars are going to be more filled up. Like we can't lose sight of all these like growth experiences that we've had. Mm-hmm. Have you mm-hmm. thought about what, what you're going to be doing like proactively to make sure that that's still part of your practice? Definitely. I I don't know when things are going to go quote unquote back to normal, but for me, I think that I definitely want to continue starting every day with a workout, with journaling. Sometimes I journal at night before I go to bed to just let everything out so that I don't go to sleep anxious or have the Sunday scaries or, or anything like that. Uh, I think that those practices I definitely want to continue. But I think another thing is just having clearer boundaries between work and life and learning how to say no more. I think that this is this year has made it a lot easier for me to say no to things just because it's it's actually impossible to go on 10 Zooms a day. So mm-hmm. so I've had to say I'm sorry I just don't have the bandwidth. Yeah. And it's been liberating. It's been liberating to say that. <laughs> you know, it's just to, just tell people that you you don't even have to really like give a long explanation <laughs> or, or an excuse or like, oh my gosh, like my dog and and like I have to pick up this thing and like no, just just tell people that you can't do it and that yeah. you just don't have the bandwidth and it's okay. And you don't have to be everywhere at, and and doing everything. You don't have to be everyone everything for everyone. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I feel like I just always had that pressure to perform. Yeah. In all I mean, I think that's, that's like a common thread for all high achievers. It's like you find your identity or you find like your self-worth in doing all the things because you feel like you've not let anyone down or, you know, mm-hmm. so I feel like doing mm-hmm. that work to identify, like you said, like what your values are, what the things that are that like you are, they're not negotiable for you. It's easier to identify that and then say no to anything that doesn't fall within 
that list. Yes. Yes. That's definitely important. And I think that it's also really important. And I didn't know this until this year that you should give yourself time to just rest and just be like what you were saying about going in the shower and listening to a podcast at the same time. And I'm, I'm the same way. I, if I'm going for a walk, I was like, well, I might as well listen to an educational podcast or something Mm -hmm. here. Or if I'm, washing the dishes. I was like, maybe I should watch, you know, masterclass and, <laughs> exactly. it's like, and oh do God, all these you things. You don't have to do something at every no, waking no. moment. No, you just, you could, you could just be present and you could also just let yourself have fun sometimes, you know, do something that you enjoy. Lately, I've been, um, as a kid, I really loved art and I actually thought I wanted to go into art and uh, I love drawing and illustration. And so lately I've been working on holiday cards for all my friends. Where I saw I, on your story. <laughs> so cute. So I, I'm excited for the big reveal just to show everybody <laughs> what I've been working on. But but um, it's it's so funny because I haven't had that, that I haven't got, gotten to play like that, you know, with markers and colors and, um, and illustrating. And it, it's been, it, it's so funny because I, well, my boyfriend, he was like, first of all, surprised that I could draw. <laughs> he was like, wait, what? Amazing. You're so like, we're have like new things that, you know, you never knew about. Exactly. And he's like, oh yeah, I don't understand. Like how, you, you just know how to, you're just like good at this. It's like, yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, I think that being artistic and, and when you're drawing and when you're coloring, I feel like you can't do anything else. You have to focus. Mm-hmm. So if, if you, if like something I always suggest to people is if you can find something where you, that gives you a flow state where you can only think about what you're doing in that moment, it's, it's so beneficial to your mental health. A million percent, because I feel like meditating obviously is a great thing, but it's a big task for people that are coming from like the most noise, you know? So it's like identifying that thing that is just being present. And it is, it doesn't have to be like sitting on a couch and having your fingers up and meditating with your eyes closed. Like that is a form of meditation or that is a form of just like being in the moment. So I totally agree. It could be cooking, baking, reading, reading. Yeah, Yeah. All of those things. Yeah. Amazing. So you hinted at your love of writing at a young age. Yes. Um, What did you think that you wanted to be and what, what did you like envision for yourself? Do you feel like you've kind of gone in that path or has it changed? Have your goals changed? Walk us through your early career. Sure. So I'm lucky in that I've always known from a very young age what I wanted to do. So I would say, well, how old was I? I was maybe eight years old when I started writing poetry. <laughs> so, okay. so okay. this is, I was eight and, uh, because there were, I was read so many children's books that were all rhyming and, you know, those like fun books for kids. I was, I was intrigued by that. And, and I was like, Oh, I want to, I want to try this. So I started writing cute little poems just for my teacher. Uh, as like I said, teacher's pet, it's <laughs> so annoying. And, and like, I'm sure every kid hated me, <laughs> but, no. but, um, but, but when I, I, when I would, you know, cause I wanted someone to give to, like, this is always a thing. Like I never, I never just wrote for myself. I always wanted to do it to like reach an audience of some sort to give it to somebody else. That's an so, interesting insight. So for my teacher, I remember I would write, <laughs> I'm going to tell you one poem that I thought was like, I still remember it. Cause I was a little, I was, it was so, so funny. Um, it's like, there's ants in my pants. There's ants in my pants. Ow, ow, I'm going to France. And it's just like, it was like, it's like eight-year-old me. I'm like, I'm Shakespeare. I'm like, I'm <laughs> dead. Well, first of all, like, wise beyond your years. I feel like that poem is exactly what I feel right now. Like, I uh, literally yes. 
I want to, I want to go to France too. Listen, um, but it, but it's so funny and like so funny. And I just like found weird ways to rhyme ants and pants and like other things, plants or mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I just, I just loved the how fun it was to put words together like that, you know. Yeah. And for a long time, I thought I wanted to actually be a poet. Like even in high school, I. I took creative writing classes. I studied poetry very seriously. And then I realized, I was like, but wait, like, how does one just become become a poet? Like, become, uh, like, is that a job? Yes, it's a job. But I think for me, I just knew that maybe it wasn't the path that I wanted. And so I was like, I love writing, but what else can I do? And who are you like consulting for these things? And also like when you like (laughs) identified that you had this like love of writing, is that something that's like in your family that like there was someone that you can like rely on to kind of show you a path or like, you know, like what, what was that experience like? And like even wanting to become a poet, I feel like is a very unique (laughs) thing, you know, someone so young. It's, um, it's funny. Yeah. I, I would say that my, I'm, my parents were always so encouraging of my creativity and I'm, I'm very grateful for that. My brothers were also really creative. Like my, one of my older brothers is, is such a good artist and he would actually illustrate, um, he would illustrate little books that I would then write for. So we were already collaborating like, oh. when we were like kids. <laughs> um, and, so uh, and it's, it's really funny thinking back on that. Uh, I would say that it was it was teachers. It was really teachers. Like I didn't know that I was a quote unquote like good writer until there were teachers who saw a talent in me and then encouraged me to keep going and enter contests and do these things. And so throughout high school, I went to an extremely competitive high school. Um, and it was just like, everyone is so talented. Everyone is so smart. Everybody's going to an Ivy League. You know, it was very, it was like a high pressure environment. And I think that being um, among those like really smart, talented people just like pushed me further into like wanting to hone my craft and write for the school newspaper. And as I started taking more classes, like there was a journalism class in high school. That's when I like things started clicking for me. You know, yeah. I started realizing oh, I could have a career as a writer and it's, you know, I could go into journalism. And I, um, for a school project, I had interviewed a journalist who was, uh, she was a a writer at a local paper. And I just, you know, we had to ask somebody what they do. It was like for a career day thing. And so we had to ask them, what do you do? And she told me about her job. And I was like, oh, so you, you go into an office every day. You, you have like, it it felt like a regular job, but writing. So I think that's kind of how I narrowed it down. And then I went to like, actually like have a, like you can envision it for yourself versus like a poet sounds like, (laughs) where do you go every day? I mean, I just didn't know your poetry. Exactly. Like am I in a cabin in the woods and like wearing like a shawl neck sweater and like, they were able to piece the picture for you. Yeah. Exactly. And so seeing what, seeing what was possible was, was helped me a lot. And then I I went on a school, um, a field trip, um, on a summer writing program that I was at, at Barnard college. And, uh, it was to nylon magazine. And that's kind of what solidified everything for me because I met the editors at nylon and they were telling us about what it's like to work in a magazine. And I just became obsessed. I became obsessed and wanted to be a magazine editor. So what was your first out of college job in um, the editorial media space? And yeah. paint a picture of like what that looked like then versus what it looks like now. 
Oh my gosh. Um, it's so funny. I think about this a lot just because it's so crazy. I joined the industry in a really pivotal time for media. I so my first job was um well all through college I went to NYU and all through college I interned at all the magazines like Harper's Bazaar, mm-hmm. I interned at L, uh I interned at Time Out New York. So I did a weekly, I did a website, I did, you know, did all the different kinds of things. And then I um, right before I graduated, I was hired at a startup and the website was called stylebistro.com. And, I remember it. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so it was, I think style bistro existed at a time when there were so many similar websites to it. It's like mm-hmm. women's fashion and beauty lifestyle websites. Yeah. There were, there were, there were so many of them. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and eventually what happened was, uh, the company got acquired and then they laid off everybody. So my first experience in the editorial world, which was for a startup website, was to get laid off. And I was like, oh, okay, so this is what's happening now. <laughs> this is wow. this is the this is the landscape of of the field that I'm entering in. Mm-hmm. I think for me I always wanted to end up at, you know, a major national publication. And uh, you know, with the internship experiences I had, with the connections that I made while I was writing for this website. I think I was able to, you know, get opportunities at places like InStyle and eventually mm-hmm. get hired at um, L.com where I used to intern. So right. um, it was all about like networking and making those connections. And I would say when I first started out in, I would say it was 2014 when I got my very first job in editorial, but I started out in 2010 because I, when I was like an intern right. in my freshman year. And so I got to really see the insanity that was the world of blogging. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I got to see the the birth of the influencer. Uh, and I got to see magazine editors that I was, that I was like witnessing, just trying to navigate that world of how do we, you know, take our brand that's a legacy print publication and put it online? How do we adapt for and compete with these websites like Refinery29, like Bustle that are, really like taking the internet by storm. And this is where yeah. people are, you know, people are really, I think that the value of the internet is something that I, that I really witnessed. And it's the value of social media too, because I, I started an industry pre-Instagram, like just pre-Instagram. And then as soon as Instagram hit, it felt, it feels like the world, I mean, really the world has changed because of it. And I think seeing how that informed the way that celebrity profiles are written, celebrity news is done, how beauty brands are launched, how how people report their stories, how people find stories. It's just completely shifted everything mm-hmm. from, from being what it used to be, which was all, you know, kind of um, original reporting, so yeah. to speak, you know, like it, it was to work in magazines, especially in the job that I have, you really had to be a journalist. And I think that now it's so much more than journalism. It's, you have to be a producer. You have to be sometimes an on-camera talent, which I'm like, and a lot of times, like this is like a big (laughs) topic, but an influencer, like an influencer, you have to be, um, very well connected, a photo editor. Uh, yeah, you have to to do 600 jobs at once just to meet the demand that is this industry. And and I think that watching that has, has been so insane. (laughs) Yeah. And you're still current, you're doing print and online right now. Yes. I'm doing both. So how has that shifted? Because I feel like before it was obviously a very like divided team. Like even when online was still a very like big thing, there were completely different teams that would not cross over. So how, how has that shifted for you? 
I, I think it depends on where the, every, every magazine does something different, but from mm-hmm. my experience, it's right. You're right. It was a separate digital team and a separate print team. Mm-hmm. So when I was working at Elle magazine, I was on the digital team and that was separate from the print team. And mm-hmm. we really didn't cross over that much. And now that um, I'm at women's health, I am overseeing both print and digital. And I would say that the way that it's different is that now I'm like a multimedia editor. So I'm constantly thinking 360 about everything. If I'm reporting a feature story that's going to be coming out in the March issue, I'm already working four months ahead of that with our art team to design what it's going to look like online and think about what are the assets that we need for online that won't go in print, you know? Mm -hmm. So do we need videos do we need motion graphics or do we need gifs or or pictures or or things because there are things that work online that 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 won't work in print so for example uh the story that i wrote uh in our march issue of this year i wrote a story about how i went through a really toxic breakup and how my i remember that uh, story with your acne yes and my acne had flared up so incredibly badly that was a very powerful story thank you so much for anyone Um, listening that hasn't read it go read it it's so good (laughs) thank you so much and and it all started with a random question that came in my head i was like can a can a breakup lead to breakouts I felt 100%. like one hundred percent. I felt like Carrie Bradshaw. I was like, and I'm like here on my laptop. I'm just like, I couldn't help but wonder, can a breakup lead to breakouts? And like, I just like had my Carrie Bradshaw voice in my head, and um, and so I pitched this idea, and it, it was just it was it was funny because for for print, um, it was very like it was it was our art team is amazing and they like designed it very conceptually, which is true to what would be in a print magazine because mm-hmm. a print magazine, the product is just as much about the images as it is about the words. Right. So we'll go more conceptual, but for online, you want to be more literal because right. when someone's scrolling through the story, they, they won't feel connected to it unless they see a face, unless they see a first person kind of headline. So in print, the story, the headline is skin deep, right? And it's right. just that. <laughs> and then right, right. In, in digital, it's like, you know, can, I don't remember the exact headline off the top of my head, but it, was, but it was along the lines of like, you know, like my, my skin was the worst that it had ever been after a breakup, you know, it's, yeah. you know, stress acne is real and dermatologists mm-hmm. explain how. And I included photos of my, of my acne. I included photos of how, you know, how, of my skin transformation and, and there were, yeah, befores and afters. And that's not something that you would see necessarily in an, a really elevated print magazine. Right. You know? Yeah. yeah. So th- that's kind of how I'm always, I'm always thinking this way. And I'm always thinking like, oh, is there a social element? Like what's the Instagram story for this too? So that's do you also, <laughs> do you also oversee Instagram for one time? No, 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 okay. no. We have a social editor. Thank goodness. Well, I couldn't but do like, that job too. Yeah. But like, I mean, I feel like you must, uh, they, everyone has to have a seat at the table to like make all of these things come to life in a cohesive yes. way at the right time. So yes. I feel like you definitely work closely with them, right? We do. Yes. So our, our social editor, Amanda is just, she's, she's brilliant. And, and whenever there's a beauty thing, we're constantly collaborating. We're like, oh, maybe we should bring on a dermatologist to do a Q and A. Maybe, you know, I do takeovers of the women's health Instagram stories sometimes as well. So, yeah. so yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's a huge team effort. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Okay, well, we need to understand like why beauty. I feel like you're an incredible writer Thank and you, you could have gone down a million different paths. What was it about beauty that you saw longevity? Um, and like, has anything shifted? Yeah, just tell me like, what, what is it about the beauty industry that was so interesting to you? Sure. So I, for a long time, 
early in my career, I didn't know what, what I really wanted to do. I thought I wanted to be a fashion editor because that was just what was what was the dream. I feel like the, the ideal, like when you're thinking about movies like The Devil Wears Prada or when you're watching Ugly Betty, like the fashion editor is the thing to aspire to be. So I think for me, I was like, I guess that's what I want to do. But as soon as I started working more in fashion, I realized that I the fire just wasn't there for me. I just wasn't, I don't think I was equipped enough to, to just always pursue fashion because I don't think I was as interested in it as I thought I was. So, Mm -hmm. um, it's important to know what you don't want to do too. Right. And it's not, it's not like, because, because I, I had such a versatile, um, experience while, while working my way up, I, I was like a general writer. I did everything from celebrity news to fitness, to health, to, uh, to fashion and beauty. So I think that doing all of that makes you a really good writer. So you mm-hmm. so up to this day, if anyone assigned me a story that wasn't beauty, I would still be able to write it. You know, I'd still feel confident in being able to write a good story about anything. But I think for beauty, what really attracted me was just how I think it's, it's so universal, you know, like, I think that everybody, when you wake up, you think about how you're going to present yourself to the world. You think about, you know, whether you're my boyfriend who like literally just like washes his face and doesn't do anything (laughs) else, but he still washes his face. Right. Right. He He still shaves his face. He still, he still gets a haircut. Like, like everybody has these rituals that they do to, to groom and do personal care. And it's all an extension of your identity and who you are. Mm -hmm. And I think that that in particular is what really interested in me because it feels like beauty was so accessible in a way that I, I didn't find other topics to be, you know, like I could talk to my mom about moisturizer and she's been using Pond's cold cream since God knows when, like, she, like forever. Right. She's, she's since, she has since, you know, moved on to La Mer, but, oh, okay. <laughs> but, but she's, she's getting, she's getting fancy with her skincare now, okay. but you know, like my mom, I mean, you're her daughter, so <laughs> exactly. that doesn't make sense. <laughs> she got, she got some perks, but, but it's, but I could talk to her and we could relate about and talk about moisturizer, but I could also talk to my younger sister who's 23 and we could talk about Kylie Jenner's new launch or, you know, things yeah. like that. And, and it, it feels like uh, everywhere you go in the world, there are so many different standards of beauty, but there's still this understanding that it's it's an example of who you are in the world and where you stand, and it and it, it's it's so wrapped up in in societal, cultural, political uh, ideals that I think that's what really fascinates me. It's it's an amazing vehicle for storytelling, and at the yeah. core of what I've always wanted to do was to just tell good stories about mm-hmm. people that reveal something about our world. And beauty is an amazing lens for that just because it it's tied to everything. It's tied to everything. And we've seen it this year too, because, you know, the pandemic happened and sure, people are not thinking as much about wearing as much makeup or styling their hair every day or or whatnot, but then skincare has exploded. Right. So it's because everybody's at home and it's a, it's really right. a reflection of where our economy is going. It's a reflection mm-hmm. of what people's priorities are. And, and I feel like it's just an amazing lens into our what, humanity. Totally. What, um, and I love that answer, by the way, <laughs> what, what products would you say are the signs of the times right now? Ooh. Um, hmm. I would say that reusable silicone masks are really big right now. And I, I've, I've been seeing a lot of them 
launching like Honest Beauty, Jessica Alba's uh, brand just launched a silicone sheet mask. Nurse Jamie has a silicone sheet mask. Those do those like do eye patches yeah, that I are love so they I ha- I just got them too and they're really Aww. cute. They're so cute. Um but also effective because as you know, I've spoken to derms and they're like, yeah, the silicone really traps in moisture and it doesn't absorb it. So you're not wasting anything and it's just making your skincare more effective. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, well, this is brilliant, you know? And I think the reusable aspect of it is also a a sign of the times because I think people are being a lot more sustainability minded. So they're thinking, oh my God, sheet masks. Like I didn't realize how much waste there was, you know, with the paper and the plastic and the and the one sheet between <laughs> exactly you have to like peel it off yes and then you have to throw it out and it's like yeah. this is just contributing to so much waste so that, yeah. so so a silicone reusable sheet mask is an example of like one people care so much about skincare two they're being so much more knowledgeable about ingredients and how to mm-hmm. make their skincare more effective and three sustainability people are really caring so much about our environment as everybody should yeah. um i would say other things are hmm um, this is kind of funny, but like foot peels, like, really? I wasn't <laughs> like, expecting that. Uh, be, like, like baby, baby foot is not something that's new. Like people have obviously yeah. like done the peels and everything, but I think right now everyone is just doing so many more like Random things they things. wouldn't have because like they're experimenting more because yeah. like, sure. You can have your, your, the, like the heels of your feet crusting off for a week because I felt so bad for my my pedicurist when I went back (laughs) after literally five months of not having a pedicure it was (laughs) very very unfortunate for her I I haven't had a pedicure all year and like that's something that I used to get yes I I used to get it every single week and uh, I haven't had a pedicure all year just because what is going on I mean I feel like you (laughs) probably have like the best products ever but like what the hell's going on well, um, well, I feel like for me, like I just make choices about where where I where I'm willing to like go out and do something yeah, yeah, yeah. versus what I can DIY. Mm-hmm. And nails is just something that I'm I'm able to DIY. Yeah. So so I'm like I'm happy with doing my own manicures and pedicures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I miss a professional one though. <laughs> I mean, I she was like doing. She had to take out that I don't know what it's called. I feel like you would probably know what it's called. That machine. I don't know what it's called. Do yeah, you know? the file. Like it's like electrical file. Yeah, of. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's never happened to me before. So I was like, <laughs> Do you mind if I use? It? I'm like, please use whatever you have to use to like, make your job easier because I am so sorry. Can you paint a picture for someone listening? I feel like a lot of people that listen. Are kind of in the industry so they'll have an idea of what the yeah. role entails yeah but, um yeah can you just like walk us through what a day in the life of a beauty editor is like how does a product kind of get your attention i feel like there's a new influencer beauty line coming out every single day new yeah new everything like what actually resonates with you and what's a day in the life Sure. Pre-pandemic or post-pandemic? Which one? <laughs> um, I would say, you know, let's make it current. Let's say pandemic. Okay, sure. Um, so my, you know, pre-pandemic, my life, my job was extremely social, you know, like I'm constantly yeah. going to events and, and going on, on PR dates and cocktail parties and all those fun things, right? So post-pandemic, I am working from home and usually I just start my day by looking at my inbox and seeing any urgent emails because beauty editor inboxes can be absolutely wild. They mm-hmm. can 
you can get up to 600 emails a day. <laughs> and that's like, and, and then I, I really, I have to block out times of my day to really read through it because I, I definitely can't respond to everything, but I want to read everything because you never know when there's a good story. So mm-hmm. I'm constantly keeping my eye out and making sure. So in the morning, I'll like respond to urgent slacks, urgent emails, all that, all that kind of stuff. And then I'll usually have some sort of an appointment, like some virtual desk side, a meeting with a brand. I love meeting with new brands uh, because yes, a lot of them launch, but I feel like if you really, if you gained all the capital to launch, if you decided to go through all of this trouble to like really bring something to market, that there must be something interesting there. So, so I, I always give, um, I'm a skeptic when it comes to new launches because I'm a firm believer that we don't need any more things. <laughs> it's so funny. It's and I, I, see, true. I see so many things that launch and I'm just like, oh my God, there's 600 other things exactly like this. But, but at the same time, I'm like, well, you know, maybe there's a, a, an interesting mission behind the brand. Maybe there is a good, you know, a sustainability angle towards this brand. Maybe there is an amazing story. Uh, so, so I love meeting with like new brand founders. I love meeting with current brands and finding out what their launches are. And because I work on print, a lot of times I'm doing what's called long leads. So I, I would end up finding out about things that are launching six months from now. (laughs) So, so I get a lot of like inside scoop about things that are, that I have like little, I have a, um, in my little cabinet behind me, I have a, a shelf that's just just lab samples mm-hmm. <laughs> of things where it's like not that's labeled, so not designed. And it's just like a little, like a little like piece of tape. That's like new moisturizer, you know, June 20 something that you like, whatever launch. And, and it's that's really so fun cool. to be kind of in on it because um, brands also really like to hear your honest feedback about right. how you feel before they even bring it to market. So, so that's always nice because how do you like, keep track? Like what you were saying earlier about yeah. the hair, um, the hair <laughs> like situation that you're going through right now. Like, yeah. how do you keep track of all the different things? And like, how, what's the time frame that you give something to like, let its product, like show its true colors? Like, is it like a month? Is it mm-hmm. two weeks? Do you like stay like category specific for a certain period of time? Like the hair stuff, like what, how does that work? Sure. So I'm, I'm a firm believer in finishing everything. I, I hate, unless it's absolutely horrible. Like yeah, yeah, <laughs> if, yeah. unless I like, cause I, I remember I tried a new skincare line over the summer and I replaced my entire skincare routine with it. And I broke out in the worst, like dermatitis oh. flare up and hives and everything. And I was like, okay, I'm not finishing this. Um, and this happens often <laughs> because yeah. I, I like to test out products, but, but I, I would say that I, I try to, I use a product until it's finished. Um, wow. and, and the way that I, I do that is, is using a lot of it. So when I'm using a moisturizer, it's going on my, on my chest, it's going on my neck, it's going on my ears, it's going on my face, it's yeah. on my hands. And, and I, and I think that that's, you know, one way to make sure that I really use that product. And I also am really selective with the things that I test anyway. So I won't test a million different things at once. If I am going to introduce something to my skincare routine, I'll only introduce one thing. Like okay. I won't introduce a toner and then a new moisturizer and then a new facial right. spray and a new cleanser. So do you because... have like an Excel spreadsheet that's like, okay, I'm testing this month, these things. <laughs> and then I have space for a moisturizer next month because I'm going to be done with it. Like, how does that, like, you know what I mean? Like if you're getting new right. pictures, 
You're like, I actually can't test this for the next like month and a half. But after that, I can't. Oh, I, I do. I do tell people things like that. Okay. Yeah, I do. Or, um, yeah, but, I, but I don't have a spreadsheet. Maybe I should. I just have a note. I have like a note. I just app. always wonder, there's so many different products. Like how do you keep track of like making sure that you're using them all, you know? Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I have a, I have a shelf of products that are all new to test. So I, so that's how, like, I keep it in my, on my, in my site all the time so that I'm constantly reminded, oh, I really should test this. Um, I have a notes app where I take like pro- progress pics of my face. Um, in addition to what my morning routine was and what my night routine was. And if I used any makeup just so, you know, if there's any, any reaction on my skin, I could like actually pinpoint what it was. So, um, definitely keeping track is important to me. I remember I did a survey on my Instagram once I was like, do you guys keep track of your skincare routine? And a shocking number of people said no. And I'm like, and you wonder why you're breaking out. Like you have no idea what you're putting on your face. So, so that's kind of how I keep track of, of testing things. And honestly, this is probably not the most effective way to, to, you know, keep everything in mind, but it's all just in my head. So if I, if I really like something, it really, I just remember it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, I remember it and I, and then it inspires a story or, or ends up in a, a product or a larger story. Um, yeah, that's kind of how I do. Okay. It. So I have to ask you because like, I can't, I'll be remiss not to ask you like, <laughs> sure. what are your top beauty products right now. What's like the morning night routine that you can't go to sleep or wake up without? Oh man. Well, I, I just got my face like microneedled and lasered. So my, my, my routine the past two weeks has been extremely basic just to prepare for that because you can't be using any prescription topical things or any resurfacing products because then it's going to be extra painful. Mm -hmm. And my radio frequency microneedling was was very painful. Like, yeah. I had to, yes, I had oh, to take. It looks amazing right now. Thank you, thank you. And I'm gonna see results in like you know a month or so. But um, I did it for acne scarring because I still have some leftover scarring. But uh, but yeah. So I I was just doing um, like the drunk elephant, drunk elephant, drunk elephant, elephant. <laughs> What's that? Okay. So drunk elephant jelly cleanser. I like it because it's just super. Like I don't need a fancy cleanser. I just need yeah. one that it can remove sweat, dirt, make up and that's the one um okay. that I've been using recently just because it's so gentle um I don't like having any strong active ingredients in my cleansers just because like acids or or anything yeah. like that because I use because I have a prescription topical regimen from my dermatologist so mm-hmm. I use azelaic acid prescription I use um adapalene and I use um like benzoyl peroxide um these are all things to help manage my acne and I only started re- re- going back on these prescription topicals uh, because I was testing out so many products and my face was freaking out. So I was yeah. like, okay, it's time to call in the professionals. But yeah. um, other than those, I really like, I'm just looking at my vanity right now. I really like um, this, the peach and lily veil, like glass skin veil. It's a, it's a facial mist mm. and I love it because my face has been particularly dry with like apartment radiator heat and cold and everything. And so I like to apply my skincare on moist skin because it better absorbs. So I like to just put like a beautiful veil of this, of this, of this peach, peach and lily glass skin thing. And it makes your skin look so like bouncy and dewy and you could do it over, you could, you could apply it over makeup. You could just spritz it throughout the day. And I like to do it before my skincare or while I'm doing my, um, my new face microcurrent, uh, which I'm also obsessed with because it really works. (laughs) it really works like 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 I 
I'm again, like I said, I'm a skeptic. And when it comes to skincare devices, I'm like, Hmm, is this like 600, 400, $500 thing really necessary? But, um, but this new phase, the micro new face microcurrent devices, like it works. It really, really works. What do you see? Like, what do you see? I see, I see Pia posting about so, it literally all the time. And I'm like, <laughs> like, what do you actually see? So, so what you see immediately is um, definitely more definition in your jawline. So say you ate a di- like dinner last night was like super high in sodium and then you're just like puffed up, yeah. right? So that happens yeah. to me because takeout <laughs> has been life. Um, and uh, so the new phase, like you, you, I start from my neck and then I go all the way up towards my forehead and I do that on both sides and it beeps when it's, it's time to like move, move up and like continue moving up your face. And I find that guide really helpful. And so what you see is a lot more definition in your jawline and then your cheekbones as well. So everything looks more defined, um, your brows to get more lifted and your, your skin looks a lot firmer. It just looks more like toned and firm. More so than just doing a gua sha? Yes, more so because it uses like it uses electricity okay. <laughs> to to like stimulate your muscle. Okay. Basically, you're training it to stay where you're putting it. So you're just like mm. training it to stay all, stay up. Okay, I think yeah. that might be going on my Christmas wish that's list. A, that is definitely <laughs> that's a must have for my, for me and. And yeah, I mean, there's so many things. Sunscreen, duh. Like, Which one? I, I, uh, it, the Isden Ageless one is mm. my absolute favorite. It's SPF 50. It's mineral sunscreen. It's tinted. Looks really great on skin. And uh, as I'm right next to a window where I work, it's essential because yeah. all the rays are coming through. And hopefully, I, I, I like, I really, I think a lot about that picture of the truck driver um, <laughs> where there's like a there was a Let's study. Uh, well, it was his face actually, oh. the, like this older man, and he was a truck driver. And on his on the side of the face that's with the window, you could see how much he is aged versus on the side that's away from the window when he's driving. And it's like a literal like lopsidedness. And it it was a study shown showing sun about it was about sun damage. So I was just like I think about that every day as I'm next to this window, that's and so I'm crazy. and I'm just like wow, gotta. You know, prevention Absolutely is necessary. I've prevention been using is it. Alta, Alta MD. Um, I also like Alta MD. Yeah, I feel yeah. like they're they're great. I was actually laughing this morning. I feel like when Alta finishes, it's like she gives you no warning. It's like when she's done, she goes down and she doesn't come back up anymore. I don't know if you've experienced that. <laughs> I have. Like yeah. Every t- it's like there's no warning that she's like getting close to the end. She's just done. And then yes. she doesn't come back up. <laughs> right. Maybe Elta will hear this and then they'll, they'll come out with a clear bottle. Uh, although I don't know if that would, that would change the efficacy of the product and stability. Maybe. Probably not. I don't think so. But, but I, but I, I, I definitely appreciate when you can see in a product, like actually how much is left. Yeah. yeah. I like literally have no, like it happened this yeah. morning. It was, she was oh. just like one pump and done. And I was like, okay, girl, you're done. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. But that's um, also a favorite. <laughs> Um, I have a question, obviously, just because I work in PR and I'm just curious to know your Mm -hmm. thoughts on this. Like Mm -hmm. what type of story do you think actually turns into sales for the beauty brand that you're highlighting? Like what, what type of article do you think works the best? Is it like a combination of doing it on digital and print at the same Mm -hmm. time? Is it just doing something on digital? Is it feature style or I tried it versus roundup? Like what do you think actually resonates the most with your, with your readers? Sure. I think it totally depends on publication and their reach, but uh, it's so, you can never measure anything from print. That's, that's the hard part. Like you, you can have a full page 
in a print magazine and have no idea if that led to sales. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like the only way that you can really measure is to be is to be online. And I, I honestly think that I, this is another thing that has shifted in, in the industry since I've I've been in it is that you know there was such a premium placed on a print placement uh, because of the, the it's, it's prestige. You know, like right. it's it's an honor to have. There's only so few like pages in a book. Mm -hmm. There's so little space and to have your product be the one that's chosen to be like the front of the section or, or anything like that. It's obviously, it's, it's a, it's a nice to have, but I, but I would say that if you really wanted to reach people, then you would prioritize getting a digital placement and getting like a standalone story for your product, whether it's a product review or, um, a brand story or, or something like that. Like I would say the things that translate most to sales for us would be, when it's 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 a mix of service and testimony so you know i i remember when i was at la i went and the dyson air wrap came out and like a dyson, dyson crushes might, it my friend dyson works on their well. pr team and i'm like oh, you guys oh, just who? crush page arfin oh page yes yeah. okay yeah yeah i'm like but dyson might as well be paying me for how much i promote them but but I'm like, like <laughs> So with with so Dyson when the Airwrap came out, I remember it was like I, it was it was the it was the launch of all launches, and mm-hmm. I remember every. It's such a can I just tell the story because it's such yeah. a vivid it's such a vivid memory of going into this into this like event this like secret event. Um, <laughs> no one knows what's like what's happening, and it it feels like an Apple launch. Like there's a stage. Oh my god! Like, stop. There's a there's a stage and then Jen Atkins like on stage oh, with like her like, me her, on like Jen. her like her. her like Brit Britney Mike and I'm just like oh my god what is happening and every single beauty editor every single beauty editor is there and we're all just like waiting with bated breath about what's gonna, what Dyson's gonna launch and what's crazy is it was also a mix of of tech people so the tech the tech bro editors were there too and it was like a weird mix because i never That's go to an event so where like fun, right. the tech guys are <laughs> so yeah it's, it's like so a nice funny. mingle <laughs> I, I mean like i remember seeing this one guy i was sitting next to and he had, like had his like he was like full-on like traditional journalist with like his notepad and he was just like oh my god seriously writing and i was like oh my god but like <laughs> the tech journalists are here so so <laughs> And then I'm there like a beauty editor with like my phone. I'm just like, hey, I'm here. <laughs> so <laughs> with like, like put like Instagram storying. Anyway, so the, so, the, so the air wrap launches, obviously it's, it makes a huge splash because a splash because we, we don't, we haven't seen a product that functions the way that that product styles mm-hmm. and dries at the same time. So when I wrote a story about it um, for Elle, I decided to, well, obviously test it out myself write about how um how the different attachments work i included a lot of pictures as well of like me in my bathroom with wet hair trying it out um so that you could see it in real time like curling my hair or yeah. drying my hair and then i took pictures throughout the day to see how the curls held up as well and that was like that continues to be like one of the most read stories on l and also the ones that can that has sold product because like when you're a top story you obviously reach right 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 too to want to buy this product. And so right. I think people, to, to, if people, when if brands want, you know, obviously the goal is always to get sales. And like, if the goal is to get sales, then you really have to, like your product has to have uh, something innovative about it, you know, something that warrants as a story on its own. And like, that's the ideal thing. And then if not, then it should be able to inspire some sort of larger trend piece that will also give it 
like a lot of real estate because like like we were just talking about the silicone masks like that that would also sell well because people like we'll see three or four of them in a story and be mm-hmm. like oh these are the ones or one of our top selling stories i remember was um uh silk pillowcases like silk pillowcases is like a, is i need a to get one, one. <laughs> can you tell my list is growing as we as we speak <laughs> i have that effect on people <laughs> And, and, um, other, other things that have sold so well for us are like at home, at home hair removal devices. So it's all about being timely. It's like the magic, it's the magic mixture of like service, uh, like, and then also the timeliness of it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's always hard to figure out the right formula for every single product, but, yeah. but when you have a good one, it, it will attract the writer. So this podcast is really for obviously going through the guest journey and like talking about your career and the milestones and why it is that you're doing what you're doing. But it's also for the person that's listening that maybe like at a transitional point in their life or, mm-hmm. um, or they just may not even know what questions to ask themselves on like how to get to living a quote unquote active ingredient life or like doing things that they're actually passionate about versus just doing something that was like a, co- a cookie cutter path that they had laid out for them without giving it much thought. What would you tell someone who sees you doing what you're doing and, and enjoying it um, that is just looking to kind of follow a similar path? Sure. It's always, it's always hard to say because there's so, there are so many pieces that, you know, that have to fall into place. And, and I don't, you know, hard work, it's hard work, it's luck, mm-hmm. it's timing, it's, it's, it's your location. Like the fact that I grew up in Queens and was able to commute in and out to intern at these magazines or go to NYU, like all of those things play a role. Right. Um, but I would say if you really want to, to make it, I think that you really need to identify what your why is, you know, your, what, what is the reason that you're doing this? Do you want to, do you want to help people, you know, like, are you interested in telling stories that like will help people learn how to improve their lives, how to gain confidence, how to feel seen. You know, uh, for me, it's, it's such a mixture of, of always wanting to, I never want to be self-serving. You know, I think that in media, in media, in the influencer world, in, in, in everywhere, everywhere, honestly, I think that a lot of, a lot of talk about career is it can be very self-serving you know it can be very much about your ego and making yourself feel good by getting milestones and accomplishments that like elevate your profile but I always think if if it's not helping somebody else then what's the point you know and for me it's like think about what you're doing and think about how it could help somebody else I think that that will help you find your purpose and your passion and if it can if there's a way that your talents can contribute to that larger why or that larger mission of yours then you're finding the sweet spot so i for me like the formula is i love to write i'm a good storyteller that's my talent my mission is to always you know to like help people uh, feel confident to help people have the tools and and be empowered to create the image that they want for themselves or especially you know, women of color, especially Asian women, Filipino women, like, like I'm a Filipino American woman. And like, I am always thinking about representation. And so using the platform that I have or the 
powers that I have to to help elevate marginalized communities. Like that's really important to me. So that's like my why. And that's then, your active ingredient. And that's my active ingredient. And, and putting that together is is where you where where I end up. You know, that, like that's the Venn diagram yeah. of, of me in the middle there. Yeah, it's it's something that I think about every single day because it's so easy to get caught up in and ego. Like I said, like, do you proactively check in? Like it, like when you say that you, it's something you think about every single day, like when Mm -hmm. you're thinking about an article or when you're thinking about posting something on Instagram or thinking about doing anything, like, do you do like an active check-in to make sure that this Mm -hmm. is something that's like not ego-driven or self-serving, but something that will help at least one person? Every single time it's for social media. Definitely. Like every single time I'm posting, even just an Instagram story, it, I always think to myself, I'm like, okay, why am I posting this? Is, am I posting this because I'm bored? Because <laughs> I want attention? Because I want, or because I want to share something that might be useful to somebody else? Like, I, I think that if it's useful to somebody else and, or if it's entertaining to somebody else or, you know, reveals something about me that I think can help people feel connected or seen, or I, I think that that, I think about that all the time on social media, especially when it comes to like my personal brand. Mm-hmm. When it comes to work, I would say, not everybody has the privilege of, of, of being extremely mission driven in their work because you're still climbing up the ladder because you, yeah. st- you, if you work for a company, then you're, and then it's your job to carry out that vision. You know, it's not necessarily your vision or maybe your visions align either way. I would say that I think about where I can make an impact and, and focus on that, you know? So say, say for example, like I can't pick the cover star, right? Like that's not my job. That's not my particular job. That's like the editor in chief's job. I'm not going to pick the cover star, but when it's a beauty story and we're thinking about models and the art team and the booking team is coming to me and we're thinking, Oh, what, what model should we pick? I want to choose a model who's a woman of color, you know, to make sure that our pages are more diverse to make sure when somebody opens it up, that they feel like they're represented or they recognize Same. themselves in those yeah. pages. So, so that's just an example of, of what I do in, in my work and in my life. I love it. <laughs> what are some accounts or resources that we should know about or follow or read or listen to or any of those things that A, help you kind of like discover new beauty products or B, mm-hmm. have just been like a really good resource for you in personal growth? Sure. Um, I'm going to go with personal growth here because I feel like uh, there are so many beauty, beauty yeah. Instagrams and blogs and everything out there. It's almost like too many to name. Um, <laughs> it's like my entire feed. Um, so I I would say that things that had helped me with self-growth and career development, but also self-development... Um, I follow a lot of therapy accounts actually like, like, like therapists, there are therapist influencers out there and it's fascinating to me, this like culture. Send them over. Yes. I love it. One of them, um, she is of course a Filipino woman. I found her, she's, she's based in LA and her, um, or is it LA? Based in California. And so her, her handle is Alyssa Marie Wellness. Okay. And she's absolutely amazing because I, I interviewed her first story and that's how I came across her. But she she does regular Q and A's with people and, and can and people ask her everything about from, you know, um, life questions to therapy questions to like how do I figure out a rate that's right for me for therapy to like 
my my boyfriend my ex-boyfriend just messaged me like what what do I have what do I do now like she's like Oprah like you know you just like you just like you're calling Oprah basically and and she does and she like puts so many like useful graphics and and guides for people to just like help navigate this this life um I would say Brene Brown's prod- podcast is absolutely amazing yeah. <laughs> I, I I come away a podcast but I, I really yeah. love her Brene Brown, like, I mean, every time I listen to her podcast, I'm always just like, wow, yes, this is exactly what I needed to hear. Um, I always come away feeling like just smarter, smarter yeah. and, and more and, and with more empathy, which is like the huge thing here with in her podcast. Um, and I think the world could use more empathy mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure. Um, I really love, um, I have a journal here. Um, it's, a, it's Cleo Wade. Cleo Wade, like I'm sure a lot of people know her, her. but yeah. So so Cleo Wade, um, she has a journal called heart talk and it's like, you really, it's like, it's, it's a 52 week journal, but like you can take those prompts and use them for every day if you want, you know, and, and the questions that it asks uh, about self-reflection are really nice. Um, we're not really strangers is a great account as well. Um, I think I follow them. Yeah. Yeah. And so they, they, they just came out with, um, a a deck of cards that's called like the self-reflection deck (laughs) and it asks a bunch of questions and that help you really like just really think about yourself and your goals and your dreams and and all those things um you can tell that I'm very like into this. This, this I, I could see it and I this. love it. Clearly, so am I. I literally have a whole podcast about talking about this stuff. So. Yes, so <laughs> I, so I, I love, I love it. Um, and I, I can never get enough of that. I, I would say another book that I highly recommend is called Designing Your Life. Mm. Um, it's written by two Stanford professors who teach design and they basically take the, all of the elements of what makes a good designer and then they apply it to your career path. So, um, they encourage you to look at your career path as if you're a designer. So you're a problem solver and, um, you're just, they, they give all these like prompts and activities and exercises for you to help figure out what your path is. And it's especially good if you're trying to figure out a next step. It's great. If you're like, to have them on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. They would be amazing. (laughs) I mean, I would, I I like want to go back to school to go take their class, (laughs) but, but, um, but they, but, but designing your life is, it's an amazing book for this. Yeah. Amazing. Awesome. Okay. Well, I have to push on the question of, you don't have to give me a list of beauty, but like, who do you lean on to like, just discover a discovery place that you go to, to like, be like, Oh, no one knows about this, but like, this is a person that I rely on just to like, trust their, their beauty insights. Yeah. Uh, a lot of it are other beauty editors. So, yeah. you know, I'm very, I'm very good friends with a lot of beauty editors cause we are in the trenches together, you know, like yeah. Kath- Kathleen who from, uh, from the cut yeah. in New York magazine, she's like one of my closest friends and I, we're constantly texting. We're constantly, you know, on yeah. the phone, we're talking about like so-and-so launch or so-and-so product yeah. or like, like, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? So I think that, um, having her, is uh, like on call is always really fun as well as, um, my coworker, Chelsea, Chelsea Burns. So she is a senior beauty editor at WH and, um, she's currently on maternity leave. So I miss Aww. her dearly. <laughs> I miss her so much, but our Slack is like always going I <laughs> We're love constantly that. going about like products, the industry invites, like things that are happening in our world. How um, fun. It's really fun. And like my DMs are always like blowing up with, with different 
editors and and people people in our, so cool. in our industry. yeah my favorite yeah. people to follow are editors I feel like you guys like just know everything first <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're very lucky in that way I, I think yeah. that we have a we have a good perspective on things for sure yeah <laughs> so I always close out the podcast asking a light question on what is your literal active ingredient what's something that you have to like eat put on your face do walk read listen to like what's something that is a non-negotiable that you have to do every single day oh man I'm such a creature of habit and like I thrive on routines and I feel like I can't function without them. So it's really hard to pick one. Um, I'm trying to think. (laughs) I, I think every single day I, I like to, it's part of my job, but also just, I think as a responsible human being, like I like to be plugged into the news, you know, and what's happening, current events, uh, not just in politics, but worldwide and everything. And so what I do is I like to listen to news podcasts in the morning. Mm. Um, so I could be, this is what I do when I'm doing my skincare or my new face. I literally have a podcast going, that's the news. So I listen to a podcast called what a day. It's amazing because it's just such an accessible way to consume like the headlines of the day. And, um, I feel like they, they talk a lot about, you know, what's happening in our government, what's happening in, in other parts of the world. And like, like basically things that you really should know, um, and do it in such a fun way. So it's like, it's like, there's two co-hosts and they go back and forth and it's really, I I enjoy it a lot. So what a day. And then I also listen to the daily. Okay. Yeah. I listen to the daily from the New York times as well. So, so if, so every morning, if whether I'm like stretching after doing Peloton or if I'm washing the dishes or doing my skincare routine, one of those news podcasts is going. And I feel like that's what really helps me just, just like know what's going on because I feel like maybe it's the journalist in me, but I, but I feel like, um, we can't all operate in our bubbles. Like we have to know what's happening in our world too. So that's the moment that I definitely prioritize every day. I love it. Amazing. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on. I feel like thank my, you, Sophie. My, my beauty list has grown. Um, and I'm <laughs> sure that people listening have like their add to cart buttons like flying. But um, thank you again. This was amazing. And I can't wait till we see each other again. Maybe we can go to Butcher's Daughter at some point. <laughs> I would love that. Thank you, Sophie. You had such thoughtful questions and it was oh. like such a fun such a fun time. <laughs> I, know, I love it. Okay. Amazing. Well, I enjoyed the snow <laughs> <laughs> from inside. I'll, I'll enjoy it from inside. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. It would mean the world to us if you could rate and review us. And for more inspiration and quotes from the episode, check us out on Instagram at active ingredient. See you next week.